Blog Talk Radio. Tuesday night space with Jerry uh, Pritchard Reyes. Did she do her show tonight? No, oh. no, she starts next week. Yay! Yeah, I think of a cool nickname for our show. Let or not our show, but the night because you know we were, we did supernatural Sundays. Yeah. So now we're on Tuesday, and it can't be tantalizing Tuesdays. That sends the wrong, that sends Ryan totally the wrong, wrong message. No. Terrifying Tuesdays. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. We're not. Okay. Yeah. We're not terrifying. So, to hear the radio, guys. We are currently live, coming at you live from Camp Hanover. Our home for the next two months? Yes. Yes. I, I, really, I really thought it was going to. Suck. Actually, it's not even two months. What did you say? I thought it was going to suck. <laughs> It's not, it hasn't sucked as hard as, as I thought it was going to I, I want to say it now. Can I say it now? I, it's, I've been here. I've been here. I've been here for three days. I feel like I've been here for months. But I, mean, I, know, I know. Is it week eight yet? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's still. It's still. Still new to me. You know. So it's it's um. It's still time for me to be for me to be like yeah. Like by week eight, I think I'm going to be like. Done. Ready. ready. Done. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. You know, by the end of the summer, you're always ready to go home, you know, because you start preparing for it, and you're like, yeah, it's almost over, and then I get to go home. But then there's, like, this whole sense of leaving emptiness, you know, because this is really a community, you know. It's like you see how willing everyone around here is to help us out with RJ. Yeah. You know, like. You need something, somebody's always there for you. So yeah, when you get home, you don't have that. That's that. <laughs> yeah, the part's been, that part's been nice. And yes. And she just came over again. Yeah. So it's a really nice people here. And, uh, you know, and I'm plus, you know, I'm working. I work at Pizza Hut. And, uh, you know, I can get out when I want. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm able to leave. And then come back. And I thought, well, I thought, I was like, well, I'll just stay, stay at the house a few times a night, a few times a week. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even really want, really want to do that anymore. Huh? What? I mean, I can still go home and I can, you know, do laundry and stuff and yeah, maybe go out to the cabin and just get out, get away from here. That's all I wanted to do, just get away. And then, but always come back at night, you know, so it'll, it's going to work out pretty, pretty good, I think. Yeah. So far. Yeah. You know, so if you hear uh, people in the background talking, it's just the camper. It's one of those, I guess, a lodge house called Quantania. It's Quantania. Quantania. And she's a nurse out here, so uh, you, you may hear radio chatter. Um, oh, and actually, we're going to pass that off to... Kimmy, Kimmy's going to be monitoring the radio while we do the show. It's a, for some reason. Just to make sure there's no emergencies or anything yeah. like that. Like, we actually have someone here tonight taking my place for a while. Kimmy, here, take the radio. Because hmm. <laughs> I have faith in you, my love. Um, yeah, so we have someone here taking my place tonight, so I don't have to go on, like, regular calls. But someone gets a splinter, someone else can handle it. Yeah, but if it's an emergency, then yeah, if you want to hear Andy's voice for all, you know what happens. Yeah, I hope I hope that's not gonna happen. Yeah, we don't. It would have to be a bad emergency. We don't need that. Well, you don't need that any night. I believe. I don't need that ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's something we hope does not happen. Um, cool tonight to to uh, honor or to celebrate our our trip. Back to Tuesday night. Um, I figured we'd bring back a guest. Yeah. We had on the show last year. You know, so Always let's, a good let's, idea. Let's go back. Let's you know, blast from the past. Um, we had Whitney on. Uh, I think April of last year, when we were talking about eugenics. Always a fun topic to discuss. Very lighthearted, you know. Figured. We would uh, start off on a very happy note, and uh, yeah, and see what she's been up to. She's uh, she's got a book, Ooh, a novella. I can't wait to hear about it. Is it a novella or novella? Novella. Novella or novella? I think it's novella. Novella. So I'm She'll not sure what the difference between a novella and a no- novel is, or a novel, as they say. But I'm gonna go ahead and put her on the show here. If that uh, sounds good to you, you good? Please. Good with that? Are you good with that? Please. All right. Let's do it. Let's do this. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hi, Aunt. Hi, Auntie. Hi, Hi, Ryan. I'm doing good. How are you? We are pretty good. We're good. Tired. Yeah. It's been yeah. A lot of walking. I, I feel. I'm about to, I, I was actually, when you were de- describing the uh, camp experience, I started thinking, Camp Anawana, we hold you in yeah, our hearts. <laughs> and when I think about you, it makes me want to fart. It makes me want to fart. Salute your shorts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Well, that was, that that was, a, that was a classic. <laughs> Oh, it's such a good show. That I loved was, it. That was a class. Should, yeah. We should read. We should read. You know, you can watch that on Paramount Plus. Yeah. We should do that. Have okay. I watched a couple of episodes. Marathon. 
I'm almost afraid. That's I mean, not- I'm. A, I almost suggested you should show it to the campers, but then I'm thinking, oh God, what if they get bad ideas from it? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luckily, uh, we don't have any probably not. Here. I was gonna say, is there anybody there that you guys could call? Ugh, please, ugh, yeah. <laughs> And there's there's uh, no uh, what Zeke the plumber. I don't know. Is there a Zeke the plumber okay. here? I mean, God, uh, was it Zeke the plumber? The that the one that episode. Oh my God! I can't. Oh my God! Like I really can't one? remember. I think it was Zeke the plumber. I think or, you. Uh, I think it was. I'm not scared. Yeah. Oh, Budnick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bud. Oh. Yes, that was Good. the guy's name. To our listening audience, that plumber. was the guy's last name. Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, memories. <laughs> oh, man. man. Hello. Hey, it's always good to talk about Lucia Shorts to start the show off with, you know? It's camp. Never, exactly. Never heard, love camp. Never it's heard talk camp. About camp. Did you, did you yeah, go camp when you were little younger? Um, I did like once, um, I went to triple R ranch when I was going on 16. Um, there was the obligatory, very cute male counselor there. Very cute. Um, yes, yes. Uh, they had the ropes course. Um, they had color wars where it was our cabin versus, you know, our group cab of cabins versus the other group Mm -hmm. of cabins. We won, actually. Of course. <laughs> no thanks nice. to me, I don't think. I, I am I am not the most athletic person out there. Um but we did have overnight camp trip where we went on I think it was the Northwest River. This was just outside of Chesapeake. So we were like that's where Triple R Ranch is or was. I don't know if it's still even operating. But, you know, we did all the little camp activities, the um the ropes course, the canoeing. Um, I almost stepped on a snake. That was fun. Ooh. That would have sent Angie home. She would have been like, I'm done. Let me tell you. There You're was the a outdoor. snake. My second, my second summer here, there was a snake that every single morning over between 7.30 and 8.15 at some point would slither down from the trading post. It's like that's a little building that we had all the way to the lakefront. And I would literally stand in my cabin and wait for it to go so I'd know it was safe to cross and I wouldn't meet it. Yeah. Oh. There's a reason why snakes oh. are called nope ropes to me. Nope, 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 nope. Yeah. yeah um, nope, nope. On the canoe trip. Nope. Bye. <laughs> you yeah. go over there. I'll stay all the way over here. We're not going to meet up. But, no, we were um, – I was actually with one of the counselors on the canoe trip, and because of that, we were scouting ahead looking for a place for us to take a break. This was with the cute camp counselor, by the way. (laughs) um, So we find a landing, and I paddle up to it, and I'm in the front. Um, I never learned how to steer a canoe, so I just paddled. And um, so I was about to step off and I looked to my left and there like almost right beside my, where my left foot was going to go was this green, like really dark green snake, like all coiled up. And I'm like, uh, no, and I, yeah, I peeled it right back onto the canoe. I ran straight, almost tipped us, but I didn't. And I'm like, there's a snake. There's a snake. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's a snake. There's a snake. <laughs> Oh, man. So, naturally, we did not take the break there, but that, you know, that was my only encounter with the snake the whole camp trip, thank God. Thank goodness. Yeah, and I also found out I was allergic to, I was also found out I was allergic to horses. Oh, interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. We we were doing the obligatory... um, horseback riding thing and I would I mean I was fine I felt kind of hot a little bit but it was a warm day and I get off the horse and people are telling me that I looked really red like redder than usual and I look at myself and I'm just covered 
with this rash, like, all over my neck, my chest. I mean, I was covered. So I have found out that as a 16 years old, I was allergic to horses. Oh, man. That just proves that your body is always changing. Something you never learned most of before, you know, you all of a sudden become allergic to. You got to be careful. <sighs> but you know? it was fun. It was fun. Oh. How do you get it? How do you, like, not find out until you're 16 years in the butt? Maybe, maybe she didn't have much interaction with horses. Mm. I, I that is the truth. I develop, develop allergies to things. See, I got you. I got you, Whitney. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never knew. Um, because I was just sent, we were never around horses, neither my sister mm. nor I, we weren't into, we never took horseback riding lessons or anything like that. So we were never, you know, nobody we knew owned a horse at that time. So we weren't, I mean, we were just never around them. Well, if you're going to be allergic Very to something, odd thing to be, be sure allergic to. Yeah. So if you're going yeah. to be allergic to something, make sure it's something you're never, you're not really around. Or something that you don't way, really like. It won't, it won't like. So, Angie can be allergic to snakes and, you know. Oh, I would be happy. Exactly. That would be, give me an excuse. Nope, I can't go into this little game. Yeah. I'm allergic to snakes. But she nope, decides nope, to get nope, allergic nope, to Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and coconut. Oh, no. That's poison ivy? Mm. Oh, don't say that. There's enough poison ivy around here. Mm. So, all right. Let's yeah, get my, back my, on topic. My, because yeah. I want about this novella. I'm excited. Oh, do you? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, I was having more fun talking about air uncomfortable years, but okay, we can do that. We can <laughs> do the novella. Yeah, we can, we can talk about that. I mean, I could talk about uncomfortable teenage years all night. I had a girl, lot of those. We, we, we gotta, <laughs> girl, we got to set up a coffee date then. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, so yes, the book, uh, the novella, oh my God, this this book took, I mean, when we spoke almost this time last year, um, I was still very much at the beginning stages of getting this book written and done. Um, one would think that when you're involved in a pandemic, that when you're pretty much on lockdown, that you would have tons of time for creative activities, theoretically speaking. Um, I'm sure, I know it's different for everybody, but for me, and I know for you guys too, when you have children that you're trying to help them with figuring out, you know, what education is going to look like and trying to keep their lives on task and for the most part normal, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time left for you. (laughs) No. Nope, you're right about that. Nope. Yeah. So it was a very arduous time to get this book written, but finally happened, and I'm very happy about it. Um, I rejoiced. Actually, I rejoiced, but I was also very numb because it's like I have devoted almost an entire year of my life to researching and getting this book written. Oh, my God. I am like, uh, I felt like a zombie. <laughs> oh, wow. But It's um, got to be a relief, yeah, too, I mean, at the same time. It is. And I think I might have brought it up a little bit the last time we spoke about it. Um, because of the topic matter of the book, I felt a tremendous, a tremendous weight, a tremendous moral burden to get this right in the best way I can. And this is before, of course, the protests and the marches happened in Richmond in June of 2020. And that threw everything that I was working on into sharper focus. And it also kind of altered the way I was going to present the book to the public. So it's entitled, so the basics, it is a novella. Um, A novella basically is, so usually the most, the accepted average length of a novel is 50,000 words. That's what, you know, if you've ever heard of NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, that's usually the 
minimum cutoff point for how long a novel can be. Of course, you can go beyond 50,000 words. But a novella is a full-length book that is going to be less than that. So my publisher for this one gave us the limit of anywhere between 20,000 to 30,000 words. Hmm. Right. All right. I have a question. question. Go ahead. That just came in my head. Someone says they're writing a book, like, and then difference between writing a book and writing a novel. Is there a difference? She just told you the amount. Well, novella. I mean, yeah, that's a novella. That's a smaller novel. What what is will be considered a book? I mean, I think they can all be. I mean, that's a very interesting question, especially in light of the fact that a lot of written works are now published electronically, you know. I mean, I would, <sighs> I would consider Harry Potter a novel, but I guess it is. It is know. a novel. I think novels are more yes. serious, like a more serious type of thing. Ow. <laughs> it's Maybe a series. In my face. Don't play all the time. I mean, it's an interesting... <laughs> I mean, it is an interesting and thought-provoking question. I mean, I don't think I'm the most qualified person to answer that question, but, um, I mean, it, I, I guess, guess it depends on do you, think, do you think a book is the actual tangible object that has the cover, that has the spine and the pages that you can flip through, or can it be – I mean, how does that define anything that you publish on e-format, you know? Is yeah. it still a book? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's that's a big philosophical I, question. Um, <laughs> yeah, we get deep here. In the I mean, I – yeah, wow. I, I, wow, my brain is now blown. <laughs> I, well, the good news is – the good news is um, this particular work, what, I'm just going to call it a work, has is released on ebook format, and it's also been released as a paperback. So I guess you can say that, yeah, I have a book. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just, anyway. like I said, it was something, something that popped in my head, but, yeah, it, it's really cool. Um, I know. It, it yeah, is I, cool. I, I'm like – I'm still reeling about it. Um, it is called The Seat. The title of it is The Safe Room, and it is part of a series of novellas. Now, you can re- now each one of these novellas, you can be- read them independently. They're all their own story, and they're all their own book. So you don't have to read my book to understand what's going on in any other book. They're all their own story. But um, they have a common uh, purpose, a common link, and that is um, their protagonist, the main character, is a female or identified female that is overcoming and going through extreme adversity and how they come out on the other side. So that's why we call it the Broken Roses novella series. So when you decided to uh, write this novella, did you were you like approached to do it, or was it like something I you know, like I want to write this novella? Let me let me talk to the people who started the series and say, hey, can I write a book for this series? Or how did that come about? So I belong or, yeah. to this yeah. So I just belong to this group. Um, it is part of a publishing group called by Quill and Lantern Publishing, run by the awesome Jenny L. Morris. Uh, She is on Facebook, and you can also find her website. Um, And she is interested in building a community of writers and editors, people to work together. And she'll she'll post every once in a while, hey, we've got projects coming up. If you're interested, fill out this form, um, give me your proposal, and we'll get back to you. So she, so that's what I did. And I put out this proposal back in on New Year's Eve of 2019. So December 31st, 2019 was when I put out the proposal 
So take that, COVID. I got a book deal before you made my life a living hell. There you go. <laughs> and um, basically, so this kind of change, I mean, obviously COVID uh, changed a lot of things uh, because I certainly was not the only writer struggling. And I, I have to thank Jenny for being so full of grace, so full of patience, with all of her authors who are involved in this particular project, because it's it's not easy to generate a minimum of twenty thousand words, and that's that's no, more of a no, guideline, not. No not so much a hard and fast. Yeah, that's more of a guideline rather than a hard and fast rule. But it's only so that you know when the physical book is published that there's actually enough to constitute a physical copy. So she wants to make sure that everybody's getting a bang for their buck. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, you know, some people have, some people withdrew from the project. I'm sure for many reasons, I'm sure COVID was probably one of them. And she's readjusted deadlines to make sure that we all are comfortable and we're all putting something up and, and she was also always open for us to talk with her you know mm-hmm. to share our struggles so for that alone I appreciate because writing can be very lonely um, the popular image is a person locked up in an office somewhere and just slaving away over a manuscript that's not too far from the truth especially especially this past year it's, it can be very isolating. So I'm so grateful that she was able to reach out and create a community. Can you take us through your process as far as, like, how you got the idea? And, like, if you went into, like, writer's block, what would you do to kind of work your way through, through it? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I definitely hit writer's block a couple of times. Um in fact, when I was speaking to you the very first time about this, almost a year, about a year ago, I think I was in the process of outlining and just getting a general idea. I had been doing a huge amount of research already. I, I had already been up to uh, Stanton, Virginia, and had toured you know, the hospital campus and everything. And I already knew the subject matter. I, I knew about it because, well, I'm a nerd. So I already knew something about the topic of eugenics, but this is my first time really diving into doing a deeper dive and finding more about what it was here in Virginia. And um, I, the research was amazing to do and getting my hands on some of those documents I have a whole folder full of them. But also, um, funny enough, I had to figure out for myself where the research ended and where the story actually began because I wasn't writing a nonfiction piece or anything like that. I wasn't doing a research paper. I was doing a story. So mm-hmm. I had to work and that, was, that, I think, was the hardest part for me because when I research, I do get sucked into rabbit holes all the time because I just want to learn more and I want to get it out there. But honestly, I think what helped me out a lot was um, getting back into my museum work and stepping away from the computer as much as I could because then I felt like I was part of the world again. And it enabled me to talk to people and share my project and my ideas. And people were able to kind of give me their encouragement and give me their, just write the story. And finally, Mm -hmm. I just like was like, okay, sit down, just do it. I think with this particular story, it was you have all the material. You know what you want to. You know how you want this story to go. But I didn't actually. Um, initially, when I started writing The Safe Room, I was planning on doing a bare-bones ghost story because I like ghosts. We all do. We're, 
Yeah. Everybody here in this, who's listening to us is into some aspect of the paranormal. And I wanted to do that. But I realized over the course of the writing that there was something else that was coming up that was a lot more important. Now, there are ghosts in the story. You just have to look for them. But they are there. Um, but I realized, especially in light of Black Lives Matter and the way we are now revamping curriculum standards for social studies, focusing more on African-American history, at least that's the hope, and um, the role that memory and monuments play, I have decided that really what matters the most in the story is when you get all this information about a part of your state's history that not many people know much about, your first instinct is to hammer it out there. Just be like, look at this, look at this. But a lot, but well, most people are not going to respond well to that. You're going to, and every movement always has resistance. That's just how it goes. So I decided in light of this to shift gears and be like, so my heroine is going to experience that resistance, but then ultimately she's going to learn that what you need to do is create a safe place. Hold that and open that space and hold it for dignity and respect and have that place open for those conversations to begin. And that's really where I went with the story after that, at that point. So the safe place is more of a, like a safe, like place for people to discuss ideas and, and uh, that, that kind of like more metaphorical safe place or is it? Yeah. um, So the type, yeah, it's, it's both. It's really both. Um, in the, I mean, the title, The Safe Room, is taken from, so my main character, Aria, who is in her late 30s um, in 2019. I set the novel deliberately in 2019 because, honestly, she wouldn't have been able to do what she did if COVID was around. I'll, and also, I did not want to set a novel, a story during the pandemic. It's too close to home. Doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen at some point, but right now it's too close. So as of 2019, Aria is in her late 30s. She's a photographer. She travels around. Um, Her main focus is abandoned buildings and structures. So, you know, if you look on the Facebook page, um, Abandoned in Virginia, those are the kind of things that she takes pictures of. And she displays them in art galleries. Um, She does little coffee table books, you know, things like that. But she never really bothers to get deeper into her subject matter. She keeps it all at a distance. On the same coin, she has a twin sister, Tamara, or Tam, as everybody calls her. Tam is... Tam struggles with a life to, with a lot of mental illness issues, some of which which have her attempting suicide, uh, suicide ideation. It's pretty heavy stuff with Tam. I don't go completely into depth what kind of mental illness she has, because I believe that mental illness sometimes you can't define it hard and fast. You just can't. Um, And if I made a mistake in that, well, I've got, don't worry, I'll be addressing this world again at a later date. Um, But um, Tam usually vents her struggles on a blog, and it's called The Safe Room because she welcomes people in it, and they are free to leave posts for her, and she responds to them. So in that virtual space, she has created that space for people to come and share and build a community. 
in a time and a place where it would be very difficult for them to do so in person. So, so there's that safe room, and then later on, Aria starts her own safe room to open that idea more in a physical space with art and discussion. And I kind of got that idea from my friend Arthur Brill. I don't know if you guys know him, but uh, Arthur Brill is an artist in Ashland, Virginia, and he actually we inherited the Ashland Haunted History Tours from him. But uh, he's, his big project now has been the Ashland Peace Project. And if you've seen that going around, it's a sculpture of a finger of fingers making the peace sign. Part of it, half of it is Caucasian, half of it is African-American skin. And it's a place where you can write, you know, phrases and encourage peace. And he's been taking the sculpture around to different areas throughout Virginia to cultivate conversation uh, from anyone who wants to weigh in. And by using this art as a platform, people are willing to approach that a little bit more. So, and I actually put Arthur in the Ashland Peace Project in the book. <laughs> I oh, asked nice. his permission. Okay, that's kind of shout out there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I asked his permission to do so, and I didn't name his name in the story exactly. But another thing that I've done in my book is towards the end of it, after the story was over, I included a lengthy historical context and note because I wanted to share the scope of my historical research. I wanted to give people the historical context of what eugen the eugenics movement was and where it stands in the continuum of our racial history of racial mm -hmm. of racial conflict and everything and how it's not and the whole idea of eugenics didn't just come out of nowhere there there was precedent for it to come into being and at the bottom of it as i actually say in my book it was racist classist and sexist so yeah, I but I want yeah, but I want I wanted people to understand that and I also wanted to make space for people to explore sources and resources if they wanted to. So that's where I included the Ashland Peace Project, the books that I consulted, um, the people that I spoke to. And I think that I, I hope that helped them, people who've been reading it. Mhm. Mm well, it's, it's always good when you can, like, you know, read, read a book and then, and then if you want to, like, explore on your own and, and and maybe do more, learn more about what you're talking about, it makes it easier for them to go oh. ahead and, and read the book, same as, read the same books you did, and um, and maybe just learn more about what, you know, what you're talking about. Because it's worth the discussion yeah. worth having, you know. It, it is, yeah. Um, what's interesting is, I mean, for one thing, people who maybe who may I only focused on the eugenics movement in Virginia because we did have Virginia did have the landmark case of Buck versus Bell, which legalized eugenical sterilization. It was already written into law as of 1924. But the actual test subject was Buck versus Bell in 1927, which went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of sterilizing a teenage girl named Carrie Buck, who was originally from Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, uh, that that whole thing is heartbreaking. Um, hmm. It's very sad. It is very sad. Um, what's sad also is what what I did find out though, and this is pretty cool, is pretty cool. 
the way that her life, I mean, she didn't have the easiest life either before or after her time at the Lynchburg uh, colony because she was incarcerated in Lynchburg at the uh, colony for um, uh, epileptics and the feeble-minded. It was a state colony. That particular colony was the, um, or facility, performed majority of the sterilizations in Virginia. Western State Hospital in Staunton, which was run by Dr. Joseph Desjardins, whom quite a few people know about already. He was, um, he was quite a vocal proponent of eugenics. Um, that was the next, um, I think that had the next largest amount of sterilizations. But um, Carrie Buck uh, definitely did not have an easy life before, during, or after. However, she did touch people in her community. Um, she did. She and her husband ended up being in a retirement home. I think they were still in. I think they had moved back to Charlottesville, and she apparently did. She was a pleasant individual in the retirement community that people liked, and I think they had. I think she was famous for a garden or something like that. But a lot of people really. She touched a lot of people, and yet. Not many people know about her today. That's sad. I think it's one it of is, the, it is. Um, it is. Well, it's definitely history that has probably been swept under under the rug. Like they don't want to, mm-hmm. people don't want to talk about it. You know, but like I said, history that needs to be uh, discussed and talked about. You know, because it's not. You got to you have to know all the warts and know all the bad, know all the bad things in order to get a clear understanding of where you are right now. Yeah. And I know how hard that is, especially now. Uh, we all can acknowledge everybody's feelings are highly charged. And there's a reason for that. So now instead of spinning your wheels, the best way to move forward is to create that kind of environment where you can step forward and you can speak. And hopefully we're making our way towards that point on some level. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But um, that's what I – but once again, there are ghosts in my book. You just have to kind of find them. And um, I have already been asked to visit this world again. Um, I have had people who've read the book and they've been like, they want to know a little bit more about Tam, about my main character's sister, and I, I have, I have my eye on her. Um, we'll see how it mm-hmm. goes. I probably won't do, I probably won't do another book this year because this book just really, the safe room was a very powerful project for me. It was intense. It was draining in every way possible. I definitely need a break from this heavy subject, but. I can't, but that's not to say that it's not going to be readdressed again, Um, not just as a writer, but also the fact that I work in history museums and I'm constantly assessing our, how we approach difficult history when we speak of enslavement, when we speak of uh, Jim Crow and the, and the lost cause narrative and everything else that, has challenged, um, and also how we treat our native populations. So I am really, even in my day job, I'm still working on this. <laughs> so how it's much a good of, thing that I'm going to have a break in some. Yeah, because you're, you're, like you said, you deal with something so serious and something you're so passionate about, you know, you want to make sure that when you start doing another project that you're not, still burned out from the first one. So taking a break yeah. and just kind of refocusing and refre- almost refreshing your mind so you can, you know, come back in next year if you decide to do it next year and just come back with a with a fresh, you know, pair of eyes or, you know. Makes sense. Absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. So But I do have I do have several other projects. <laughs> well it's good to stay busy, you know. 
Uh, but when you were writing yeah. this, this book, how much how much of the like the script, how much of, of yourself did you find was going into the characters um, that, in, the, in your book? Maybe not so much the characters, but more like the situations. Um, unlike Aria. I already knew about eugenics, so there was that. Um, However, I found a lot of my passion, a lot of the crusading zeal that I was developing as I delved deeper into the topic and went to the archives at the Library of Virginia, Um, went through, started reading the books, started speaking with people, um, including Suzanne Fisher, who is, um, who works at the Augusta County Historical Society, um, which is for Stanton, Virginia. Um, They have Dr. Desjardins' uh, trunk, and she wrote an article about it that I read, and you get an idea of the kind of individual, the kind of personality this man had exacting to the extreme um anal retentive doesn't begin to describe him and i'm yes i'm being i'll admit i i really don't like this guy a lot i really don't but the fact that he did that he was on board of doing such a deplorable thing to other human beings definitely does not favor him but um also talking to other people who may have dabbled in the subject in other writing. Um, there's a gentleman named David Sims, who is a writer and a teacher living in Stanton, Virginia. I was able to get together with him because he had written a book called Fear the Reaper. It's um, set at Western State Hospital in Stanton during the time period of Dr. Desjardins, which would have been the late 19-teens into the 1930s, that he was he was the longest-running superintendent at that hospital. But um, he wrote, but David wrote a mystery involving uh, involving Western State Hospital um, set in that time period. So. Same subject matter, um, close to the similar characters, but different genre and different approach of the material. So I consulted with him. I He took me on a tour of a lot of the area in Stanton. So that was extremely valuable. Um, so a lot of my top – and as, you know, I started hearing more about – the protests going on in Richmond, the um, ideas involving changing Monument Avenue in downtown Richmond, the more I realized that I had a lot, there was a lot of relevance in my real life outside of the book that ended up relating to some of the experiences that Aria was going through in researching and plugging through. Now, in terms of um, now, yes, Aria definitely was quite passionate about it. Um, I do have, know several people in my life, maybe even myself included, that have had to deal with mental illness. Um, a couple of people I know even know somebody that committed suicide or suffered from suicidal ideation. So, talking with them. And also finding out what what was it like for you when you did have to go into a psychiatric facility? What was that like for you? Um, so I would talk to some people about that. Um, there's a little bit of me probably in every character except for maybe one because he's just a jerk. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of Ari. In, in terms of Aria and her and Tam, there's little pieces of me in there, um, not complete, but some of the life imitating art definitely came into play. Do you have a hard time 
going from like writer's mode to mom mode? Did, did you have to take maybe take a little break and then you know I'm going to be going going back into mom mode again? Did it was it a smooth transition or was it like was it difficult for you to to go from being such a serious topic to okay I got to be lighthearted now because I'm dealing with my family? Yeah, um, good question. Um, I think, honestly, it just depended on what was going on that day. And sometimes I had a hard time even when I was not writing (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it was, you know, because it was COVID. And for a lot, my son was in third grade at the time, and he basically finished half of his more than half of his third grade year at home with no you know and I'm sure you guys know what know what that was like too there was really no plan that the schools had set up during the that part of time and making them switch to the virtual environment I will tell you it was hardest for me when school started for this school year and he entered fourth grade Fall of 2020 was rough because all of Henrico County was virtual for the first nine months, for the first nine weeks, not nine months, nine weeks, and maybe also the second nine weeks too. So I was constantly home, you know, doing some of my work with the museum online, but I was home and I had to watch my son and make sure that he was doing what he was supposed to be doing and that he was following along and everything was okay. And I found myself, that actually interrupted a lot of flow for me and also for him. Um, It was hard to set up a boundary because we were both always together. (laughs) So that was Uh kind of rough. I actually found getting out and taking walks really helped. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes Preston, my son would go with me. Um, so I spent a lot of time doing that, taking walks. Um, let's see, what was another? Th- oh, playing a weekly Dungeons and Dragons game online really helped. <laughs> it helped me get the silly out. Let your mind relax. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and also work. Um, going and working at the museum helped out a lot too because we we were faced with the challenge of reaching out to air audiences. And one way we did that but was taking on the challenge of doing virtual field trips. So learning that part of the technology and, you know, find, you know, tweaking our, pro, our regular programs so we could do it in a virtual environment. It was really a lot of fun and a good challenge too. That's, that's awesome. Um, we are yeah. – uh, just about out of time. I got uh, uh, one more question to ask. What what advice would you give someone who is thinking about, you know, doing what you, what you did? Somebody who doesn't have any experience writing, or um, what advice would you give someone who's who wants to write a no- novel or a novella, but they don't know how to get started? Oh boy, <laughs> the million dollar question that is actually worth. Pennies. <laughs> um, first of all, and I'm going to, here's a little jolt of reality. Please do not get into writing because you think it's going to make you rich. It's uh. a lot of hard, like anything that's worth doing, it's a lot of hard work. And it's a lot of, so, I mean, in the case of bestsellers, it's, the, it's a lot of luck. It's just luck. But I would suggest one thing to do first and foremost is make sure you're in a good support unit whether that's family or friends people that support and can nurture your creativity because that really does make a difference Um, don't force it if you really can't feel it coming then don't force out those long words but I would recommend Find some way to write every day, even if it's just like writing a quick, you know, keep a journal. Uh, You'd be amazed what you can come up with when you're writing in a journal for yourself. Um, 
you don't necessarily have to write your deep thoughts or anything like that. You can just write something that caught your attention when you were taking a walk earlier today. Or you can write about how you will never cook um, eggplant casserole again because it was such a disaster and this is what happened. Things like that, just writing about your everyday life, you'd be amazed what that can trigger and what can really spark that process. And I guess my last piece of advice will be read. Just read a lot. If you want to write poetry, read poetry. Um, If you want to write fiction, find your favorite authors and start reading them. Find your not-so-favorite authors and read them. Find out why you don't like them or you can learn a lot. Read good fiction, read bad fiction, just read it. And don't be afraid to just get it out there. Well, this is a part of the show where it lets you guys lets you promote uh, whatever you want to talk about, where people can find your book, talk about the Ashland History Museum, talk about the ghost tours, which now we have to have you back on the show to uh, tell us oh, some God. ghost stories. <laughs> Uh, we will have you back on October. Yeah, um, ah, that'll be fun. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So first, the job stuff. Okay, so I work at the Valentine Museum. It's in downtown Richmond on Clay Street, right near the Children's Hospital and VCU Medical Campus. We are open. We are taking people. I mean, people can come and visit us. And we can't wait to see everybody. So that's the Valentine Museum. Uh, The ghost tours are called Ashland Haunted History Tours. We give ghost tours Friday and Saturday nights. We've been open since April 23rd, and we're hopefully going to go strong through Halloween. Uh, We also have, have two different tours to serve you now. So come check those out. Um, Ashland Haunted History Tours is a branch of Red Vane, Red Vane um, Army, which includes the Red Vane Haunted House attraction in Hanover Vegetable Farm and the Red Vane Escape Room, also in Ashland, Virginia. Whee! Um, my book is called The Safe Room. It is available on Amazon in both ebook format, uh, Kindle format, and um, paperback. And also, I am working on several other projects. Uh, and I do also have two short stories in two different anthologies that came out last year The Women of the Woods and Ravenous Fables are the names of the two anthologies. So check those out. Uh, You'll not only see me in there, but you'll also promote several other amazing writers. So check us all out and stay tuned. I've got um, two novellas coming out over the next couple of years. Uh, Much lighter fare than The Safe Room. Um, A little bit of paranormal romance and stuff, and I'm also working on a novel series with my friend Vanessa Eccles of the Fabled Podcast. Yay! Wow, so you're definitely staying busy. Yeah, that's my life. (laughs) What can I say? (laughs) But it's all spread out, so that's the good news. Tell you what, I'm going to do something I've done before. I'm going to try it. October 5th. You want to come back and talk about some Ashland ghost stories with us? Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, and actually, yeah, totally. Nice. First time I've ever booked a show on a show, so (laughs) we're making history here. And don't forget, so. Uh, Hooray! I'll write it down. I'll write it down, but I'm super excited, and maybe we'll come check out, do a a tour, because Ashland's not not too far from us. Yeah, please. No way. Yeah, we live in Mechanicsville, so. Um, you know. Oh yeah, you. We'll hopefully, guys. I've had plenty of Mechanicsville people come out and visit me. <laughs> oh yeah, we have no excuse. Exactly. So, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, we appreciate it. Um, it was great talking to you again. Thank we'll you get for you having out. Maybe me. Get you back. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, have guys. Have a good one. Bye, Ange. Bye, Ryan. Good night. Bye.
We haven't even been kicked off the air yet. I'm always afraid she'll get like mid sentence and the show will cut off. But we're here, still to hear. So don't forget, next week we've got Jerry uh, Preaching Reyes coming back with live, live time with Jerry. She's been out out of commission for a while. She's been dealing with some uh, health issues, um, but she's back next week. And starting from from eight to nine, that's her show. And then um, from nine to ten, obviously, it's uh, a freaking awesome show. We're doing supernatural news next week, and I think the week after that we have. Um, I forgot who we have on, but we'll figure it out. So everyone have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Good night. Be back here. Same freaking awesome time. Same freaking awesome channel. That's right. Bye. That was all the air. Yeah.